your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. What's up, Laker Nation, and welcome back to another edition of the Anchor Up Podcast. My name is Jake Levy, joined always by my co-host, Tim Knott, for another edition. Today is Thursday, November 5th. The Anchor Up Podcast, presented by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GBSU Athletics, your health our passion and we had a really great conversation with associate women's basketball head coach Phil Sayers a bunch of fun stories didn't really get too deep into basketball because we were too busy talking about his days as a student here but you want to talk about a Laker for a lifetime Tim that, that that's Phil to a T well it is, it is Phil and uh, he's a, a true testament to the to what Grand Valley State Athletics is all about I mean he started his own student section um, he built that student section and it lived for a few years after he was after he um a, Got his job and, and moved on, and you know it's it's you know it's hard to sustain that at a school like this. You don't have the Cameron crazies where he, it's every it's an every year deal or the the Izone or you know you know it's a Division two school and and Phil actually built it from the ground up. Um, and I can remember us discussing Phil during staff meetings <laughs> about who is the crazy guy in the referee's outfit on the I mean running up and down the court. And but it was great. He was great for the atmosphere. He built a following. And uh, it, it was really neat. It was really neat time. Uh, and it, that's when Grand Valley State Athletics was just emerging. And uh, uh, Phil was the right person at the right time in, the, you know, in, in that situation. Yeah, sometimes you get lucky things fall together. But Phil being as uh, passionate as he is coming together with the rise of GVSU athletics all across the board made it for a really fun atmosphere. And he was at the heart of that. And now he kind of reaps the benefits of it as a coach with the student <laughs> section that's around him that has that great atmosphere. It is. And, you know, and <laughs> as much Phil hasn't changed. And, and it was funny because he said, I've calmed down a little bit in the sidelines. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, you and I both kind of looked at each other. I don't know about other. that. I think Phil still has the same energy he had when he was a student yelling at the officials during the, the men's games. And, and uh, you know, Phil still, I can, you know, we watch him across as, as we're doing radio and stats. And, and there's a, there's been a few uh, Gatorade bottles that uh, have, hit, have hit the ground and some water maybe have spilled out. But uh, you love that passion, you know, and Phil has a passion for Grand Valley State and a passion for the women's basketball program. And, uh, and it's great to see. Yeah, there's a couple of road environments when I travel with the teams to do radio, Northwood and Ferris State, where the radio equipment guy or the radio person is set up literally right next to their visiting team bench. And on those ones, I have to make sure I put my crowd mic way down and away, just in case to make sure we don't pick up any uh, extracurriculars. But, but you know what's great about Phil is he cares so much about the players and the development of the players as people, not just in the basketball court, as people and individuals. And you'd love to see that from from your coaches, and that you know we're lucky. We work with coaches um, across the board here at Grand Valley State University who do that. They care about the individuals. They care about the uh, their development as people and the development in their craft. And and Phil's a true testament to that, and uh, really cares. And he spends countless hours working with those kids on offense because w- Willie's kind of the defensive guy. Phil's offense in the gym, shooting and developing their game offensively. 
Yeah, and you could tell, you can hear it in his voice when he talks about former players, how much he still cares for them, and how much he stays in contact with them, follows them. Uh, you know, I remember uh, when Parmley was getting married, and Phil was running in the 25K yeah. in the Grand River Run or whatever, and he was he had to jump in the car, basically, uh, you know, throw some deodorant and sprint down to be able to get to her a wedding in time, and you know, he, p- he puts in that extra effort for that as well. We didn't talk to him much about his new running regimen, but uh, we, we don't have enough time in the world for all of that. We'll have to bring Phil back. <laughs> yeah, because well, you know what, Phil loves all sports though. And, oh and no that's question, what, and, and that's what's great is Phil's not just a basketball guy. Phil loves everything: baseball, football, uh, cycling, you know, soccer. Um, he, you know, he's a he's a connoisseur of all sports. Golf, you know, we talked about the Masters, and so you can really have a conversation with Phil about anything. You know, and uh, it, it, it's a good conversation. Absolutely. I mean, he's even caddied, caddied for Alex before. Yeah. So you know, he's yep. he's all over the place when it comes to uh, GVSU athletics and being involved in that way. So we have a great conversation with him coming up. It's a lot of fun. But speaking of basketball, we don't know when the GVSU men's and women's basketball seasons will start. But that is starting to come into a little bit more of focus. It's looking like January, hopefully the early side of January, they can start getting some games in. Yeah, I mean, you know, these teams are kind of in flux right now, not knowing what you're preparing for and when you're preparing for it. Uh, they know they're preparing for some type of season, conference only. I'm not really sure when that is going to start, but some discussions have it, have it now beginning in early January. And I think that gives them light at the end of the tunnel now. I mean, you know that, okay, boom, they have something set in stone. We're looking towards working towards that. And now we have a you know that in sight, and it becomes more real. I mean, really, they've been they've been – this carrot has been dangled in front of them. Eh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. And boom, it's gone. And then, you know, and then it's dangled back in front of them again. So um, I think, you know, the, the, these kids have been working hard. And now they, they see light at the end of the tunnel and they can uh, proceed forward. And I think for somebody who doesn't have the scope of behind the scenes in athletics, it's easy to say, well, just pick a day and let's go. But there's so much more that goes into this decision, not just COVID. There's also the decisions of, well, how do we do travel? Do the men's and women's teams play double headers still? Do you split those up? Do you do home every weekend? Well, what's the problem with game ops there? How do you juggle the fact that all those fall sports are going to play in the spring as well, and the months of February and March are going to get really, really crazy for the administration as a whole? There's so much that goes into how you decide when this schedule starts, how many games you play, who you play, do you play everybody, do you only play teams you can travel within X number of hours. There's so many different decisions that have to get made. You try to keep it fair for everybody, too. Yeah, and the the NCAA COVID commission, we'll call them, they came down, you know, they were going to release their, their, their uh, mandate in terms of what had to be practiced, and they really didn't they d- deliver anything in terms of they're kind of li- leaving it up to best practices for where you're located and, and your county, your conference, and they really didn't, you know, say you had to do this as a league um, at, at Division Two, which really, I know that's what we were nervous for because there's some schools that eh, not really sure if we can test three times a week. And right. so and you know, we were worried about schools almost opting out like players have opted out. Uh, but when they kind of didn't come down with a set standard, uh, this, hey, let's take it by, by school, by conference, by division, uh, that afforded – uh, leagues the opportunity to kind of proceed with caution, uh, which everybody's doing. But now it, it, it gives everybody a, a chance to kind of gather some information and uh, proceed with your scheduling. Not really sure what attendance will look like either, but we do know no matter what the in-person attendance allotment is, you can watch every home game on the Grand Valley Sports Network. It's new. It's revamped. There's going to be a lot of great content that comes out on that. Go to watchgbsn.com right now. You can sign up for an account to get yourself ready and check the schedule to see what events we'll be streaming 
as those home seasons get going. But every home game will be streamed, so don't worry. Even if you can't get into the arena because of uh, attendance restrictions, we'll still be able to bring you GVSU Sports to your homes on the Grand Valley Sports Network. There will be a charge. We are charging. Put that out there. Yes. You know, those will be charged events. I know in the past they've they've been free, um, but, you know, where we're at, uh, you know, as an institution – well, know, it's it also important to note that the decision to move this to a pay-for platform came before COVID. Right, right. This has been in the works for over a year now. Yeah. Doug Lipinski was great in the, the mindset of it. We worked really hard to create this new streaming platform that is unlike anything else that you'll see across most of Division Two. It's all in-house. It's all done by... Grand Valley Athletics Department and the University Communications Department coming together to put together a really good product for you, and that was going to be a move no matter what. But, of course, now with COVID and limited attendance, it has an even more magnified right. purpose. But we do take this time to remind you the Anchor Up podcast brought to you in part by NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics, also brought to you in part by PNC Bank, the official bank of GVSU Athletics, PNC Bank, for the achiever in you, and by Earhart Construction, who is the official construction company of that aforementioned Grand Valley Sports Network. So you talk about basketball right around the corner, but meanwhile, across college football, the big Power 5 conferences are now all the way back with Pac-12 coming back to join the fold here this week. It's going to be interesting to see how that adds to the mix, but Big Ten a couple of weeks in, Wisconsin having some problems, but for the most part, everything outside of the state of Wisconsin yeah, has been really, pretty good. Really, it has been. Uh, the schools, in terms of the positive tests, have been extremely low. Um, obviously, Clemson lost a few. Uh, uh, well, they lost Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Um, but, you know, it, it's great to see in, in these schools, that, you know, they've, they've been at this, Michigan and Michigan State, and they both proceeded uh, at, at different times and in, in terms of how they move forward. And it's great to see that, they're able to still continue to play, and they're all working through it. They're not all of a sudden jumping off the bridge saying, oh, my gosh, Wisconsin has positive cases. we got to shut this down. No, they're, they're proceeding. They, they, they have protocols in place you know, in order to, to advance the, the championship game. You have to play six games, and, and, and Wisconsin knows now, hey, we're under the gun. Uh, we, you know, we're under the microscope in terms of we need to get our six games, and if we want to proceed past uh, – that schedule. And it even came down to the fact that Wisconsin, despite having 22 positive cases, was still looking into the potential of playing Purdue this week. It wasn't until Tuesday that they finally said, right. okay, we're going to wave the white flag on this when we can't get this game in. But, you know, you got to err on the side of safety, of course. That's the, the number one concern uh, with the uh, – with the way that you shake things out here during COVID. But, you know, you go back to last week, and, of course, after the first week of Big Ten football, everybody said Michigan's here. Michigan State's way <laughs> down below. The two teams get together last week. We had that watch party in the Kelly. I don't think many Michigan State fans thought it'd be worth turning out for coming in as 25-point underdogs. But not only do they cover, they outright win on the road at Michigan. A really, really good win for Mel Tucker in the spot. Well, we were talking about in the office. Um, you know, there's no way Michigan State could have played worse in their opener. Okay. Michigan was playing a Minnesota team who we all went into the season thinking, eh, they got their opted-out uh, receiver back, returned a lot of players, they're going to be really good. After two weeks, we figured out Minnesota, after getting drilled by Maryland, probably isn't very good. Yeah, when you give um, up 45 points yeah, to Maryland, it's uh, pretty obvious that the defense has some holes. After Northwestern had just drilled uh, Maryland, and then you uh, see that – Rutgers is probably better than what people thought they were. Greg Schiano was a proven coach, done a great job at every stop he's had. I mean, he has been an NFL head coach. Okay, you don't get to the NFL unless you're pretty good at what you do. Defense coordinator Ohio State under under uh, Urban Meyer and, and, and uh, Day, Ryan Day. And then, 
you figure Michigan State now was somewhere in the middle, and Michigan did, didn't look very impressive. Kind of disappointed in their, their effort and their approach. And we'll see this week they go to uh, Indiana, who, who is ranked number 13 this week, and Indiana's moving up the, you know, the polls, and uh, we'll see what happens. All of a sudden, that doesn't look like as bad a loss for Penn State either that right. turns around yep. and tried to hang tough with Ohio State. Boy, Justin Fields, though, and that yeah. Ohio State Buckeye team. I mean, I, I think when the Big Ten got off to a late start and the ACC and the SEC were kind of reigning supreme, it was easy to forget about Justin Fields, but he has wasted no time in yeah. reminding you exactly who he is. I, I think he has as many touchdown passes as incompletions two games <laughs> into the season. <laughs> Which is an un. Believable. I mean, he, he was, what, 20 of 21 in week one, and yep. his only incompletion. Well, you got, can't call it a drop because the guy was rocked, but it was in his hands, in the end zone, could have easily yes. been a touchdown. Would have yes. been a perfect yes. game for Justin been, Fields yeah. if that ball got caught. So yeah. Yeah, he, he's been really, really good. But uh, speaking of really, really good, this interview with Coach Sayers is outstanding. We're going to get to that here in just a moment. Before we do, though, it's time for our Lakers Senior Spotlight brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. This week's Lakers Senior Spotlight is goalkeeper Jessica Raddis of the GVSU soccer team. She's 27-2-1 and in goal all-time with 19 career solo shutouts. She was named a first-team All-American as a junior last year and posts a career 0.34 goals against average. She made nine critical saves in the 2019 National Championship game. We've talked about that game a lot. The Lakers wound up winning it 1-0 in double overtime. Jessica Raddus, a big reason why. She's your Ziegler Automotive Lakers spotlight. And yeah, When you think about a 1-0 double overtime win, for your goalkeeper to have nine saves, that tells you how close and how on the brink the Lakers were before they finally came and pushed through. Yeah, and and, you know, that that whole defense and that approach in terms of how they were defensive-minded and, and, and she she was the back wall and she did a great job. And you don't see that many saves in soccer games like that. I mean, you don't – very rarely do you see – that just is a testament to the, their opponent and what she was able to pr- – provide. I mean, the Lakers outscored their opponents 117 to 10 on the year. So when you look at it, you wouldn't think that she'd be tested all that often and that she finally does get tested in the biggest game of the year. And not only that, but the offense that's set records at Grand Valley State, which is a historic program. They set the record for most goals scored in a single season. They come up with a goose egg through a full 90 minutes, then in overtime, you have to keep your team in the game. That's why it's a team sport. That's why the beauty of sport is, you know, you don't always win the way you think you're going to win. Sometimes you got to grind some out. It's not always going to be pretty, but it dubs it up. And inclement weather, raining, cold, you know, it was uh, fighting the elements and, and, and did a great job. Yep, that's why they hoisted the sixth national title in program history back in Pittsburgh in December, which seems like an eternity ago. But they've got the victory anyway. So that is your Lakers Senior Spotlight brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. Now we turn our attention to an associate head coach who just graduated a huge senior class. Those women were the winningest class in GVSU women's basketball program history. They're on their way out. A new, brand new team coming in this year, but a good-looking team. Very tall, very athletic. They can really shoot it. They're, I know Coach Williams and Coach Sayers are both very excited about that team. We got we talked about that a little bit, but mostly about the rest of uh, Coach Sayers' brain, which is always fun to pick. Our guest interview, as always, brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light is distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. Okay, here he is, associate women's head basketball coach, Phil Sayers. And with that, we welcome on associate head women's basketball coach here at Grand Valley State, Phil Sayers, good enough to join us, a longtime member at Grand Valley in a bunch of different facets. Phil, you were a student here at one point, weren't you? long time ago, 1998, I began my, uh, my journey here. So we're going on to 22 years, 98. Wow. 
Yeah. Old. First came here in 96 when my brother attended. My older brother came here in 96, and that was my first football game was 1996. Jeff Fox at the quarterback home. Jeff Fox. Yeah. Remember those days? Jason Trice, wide receiver. Yep. Kenny Brown. Yep. yep. Bruce and Spencer Calhoun at running back. I was here. Yeah. Well, not only were you here, but you were a big piece of it as well, because I want people to know about this, and we'll get into women's basketball in a little bit. This is way more important to me. You were the leader of the student section when you were in undergrad. Was that for football, basketball, every yes. sporting event? Yes. So tell us a little bit about that lifestyle. Mostly football and basketball. It started with basketball. I'll admit it. It was a little too cold at times for football to go out there, but uh, as, as the team improved in the – in the early 2000s and the, and the trips down to Florence, Alabama, we definitely made the trips. I think, I think Tim Knott has pictures to prove that of, of me doing that. Yes. But uh, yeah, I, I remember it in basketball at first. Um, Terry Smith was our head men's coach. And I, and I, I started this, this act where I would sit front row with, with my buddies. And it started with me being uh, dressed normal. I would wear tearaway pants. And in the arena, we used to sit on the opposite side. So, like, uh, there was no benches in front of the large bleachers uh, of, of the arena. And so I, I could get really, really close to the, to the floor. And so when referees started to make a couple of questionable calls, I would start to – I had to stretch out just in case they might need a sub or they needed just – just wanted to give them some advice on how to make some better calls. And so I would then use that sideline to kind of rub, run up and down the floor by them. And uh, I think the crowd started to wait for me to kind of – take off the tearaway pants, which would have, of course, pair of probably, back then probably black dockers with great pleats on them. And uh, I had a referee shirt that I may or may not have um, taken from the uh, rec center intramural days. Um, <laughs> this stuff can't be held against me now, can it? No. Okay. No. That's, good. That's good. That's good. good. Uh, and then I just walk up and down the sideline. I, mean, I get a five count going, a 10 count. And uh, we got to, got to know some of those guys. And, and you fast, you know, I'll come back to it, but fast forward, Seven eight years later, I'm a I'm a GA at Western on the men's side, and some of those same referees were refing those games because they moved up in the in their ranks as well, and so they went from me mocking them uh, during games here at Grand Valley to me kind of needing their calls. Uh, yeah, but not much has changed other than the tearaway <laughs> pants, maybe. Well, I think I've I think I've calmed down a little bit here, but uh, <laughs> I, I remember I remember walking into a game, coming to the women's game, and uh, Terry Smith was sitting at the top of the bleachers behind one of the baskets and they we used to have these taller bleachers behind the baskets i don't know what happened to them but they probably had 15 to 18 rows now that we yeah. have these these shorter ones and he was on the very top and i'm walking in and he comes sprinting down the bleachers and i, and I i've said to my my roommates who were part of the the laker loonies then i said oh no and uh <laughs> coach smith stopped and grabbed me and said what's your name young man and i, and I told him he said I love you. You are one of the greatest <laughs> things to happen for Grand Valley basketball since I got here. And uh, those of you who know Coach Smith, you can picture him uh, doing that. And uh, and Jason Larson was the GA. Lars was the GA back then. And you know, I had classes with Lars, and uh, it was it was just it became like Terry would almost wait for me. I kind of took some of the heat off of him. I could start to be the one that got the officials a little it, fired it, up. There's truth to that. There's truth to that. And, and Mark Sharporn be secure. We had to implement, we had to have security keep their eye on Phil during games. That's what it went to. There was an individual that was assigned to Phil, and Phil did make his way onto the court, court a couple of times during timeouts like to verbally abuse the officials. <laughs> let's, lose that. Let's, on, let's be careful with that word. I would, on, abuse is a strong I mean, word. It was, and, and, then, and then that individual would start walking towards Phil, and Phil would remove himself from the court. Back Smart. to the front row of the bleachers, and then he would he would 
go back at him. Hey, it's important to let your presence be known. Phil, yeah. Phil was a yeah, he was a Fieldhouse Arena uh, fanatic. Yeah, the Cameron Crazies. It was the yeah. Fieldhouse, Fieldhouse Arena fanatics. Was Phil's, was yeah, Phil's. I remember the one time that Sharphorn walked over to me, and I th- I thought that was the end of my run uh, when yeah. he walked over and had a conversation with me, and uh, I adjusted my behavior at that point. Um, but we, we, we had fun doing it. I mean, there was times where we would wait until halftime, and I remember one time getting painted up in the in, in the rec center uh, men's faculty locker room there at halftime because it, it, was, it was a game against uh, rivals up north. And I remember, let's just go in here nice and calm. We'll just pretend like we're not doing anything. And then we went and uh, got painted up at halftime and came back. Like, you know, here we are to make our second half uh, run and resurgence. That's a rough and, job. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and and I those guys are great with it. I mean, you, you had you had guys like John Flynn and Jason Boucher who were crowd favorites back then, especially Boucher. I mean, he was just – he would just amp, amp me up. I mean, I, I felt like I had like a role with these guys. Phil <laughs> <And laughs> was I, part of the team. Yeah, really I really was. didn't. But uh, that's when the uh, – the GLIAC was, uh, tournament was at the Deltaplex. And, yeah, yeah. And so I remember skipping class to head down there and, and make sure I was making All day my events. presence known. It was, it was awesome. It was fantastic down there. That's so cool. But it, your college career almost took a different direction at one defining moment for you early on. We had Steve Lyon on the show yeah. a few weeks ago, and you had actually brought this up to me, so I feel it's fair <laughs> game to say. Yeah. But you had tried out for Steve Lyon's baseball team. They were unbelievable at the time, mm-hmm. going to College World Series, and that was about to be the precipice of that. You were trying out for the baseball team, didn't quite make it. Yeah, the I didn't cut. make it. Yeah, I didn't make it. I uh, came here. My, my, actually, one of my high school coaches played for Coach Lyon in high school and then in college. Played for him for eight straight years. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a interesting uh, thing that somebody will play for him at both places. But uh, he moved on with him. Uh, we went to Oakland University as a, as a coach there. So I kind of knew him a little bit through that. And uh, just I wasn't good enough to, to be recruited ever out of, out of high school. But um, – Came here, and I thought I could maybe try out, uh, and it came down to two people. According to, as I had my conversation with coach, and anytime you can have you have me, who was a I was a, a five nine freshman actually in college. I was a small little feller and I grew a lot. I was seventeen years old, and, and there was a six foot lefty from Alpena. I'll keep his name off the podcast, but anytime you have a six foot lefty who could throw, or me, you're going to take the six foot lefty. And uh, Coach Lyons said, "Hey, I think you're a kid who, if I if I cut you now, I think you'll work and and, and come back next year." I didn't work out. I ended up getting a coaching job from uh, the next day and took it and, um, and and kind of found that path to be what I wanted to do. Was that literally immediately the next day you just switched over to coaching? Which you said baseball is not for me. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was. I, the first job I got was it was a junior high girls uh, basketball job at East Grand Rapids, and so it was player playing in the fall at that time. And so it was. It was honestly like a day or two later that. Uh, uh, the AD at the time of the middle school, Nancy Locke was her name, uh, called me up, offered me the job. And, and then from there, I moved up the ranks a little bit there at East and then, uh, you know, graduated here and started coaching uh, down near Kalamazoo. Well, let's just say something. You've made your mark on an athletic department as a college student when you were discussed in staff meetings. Phil's name was <laughs> – Phil and his, and his college experience was discussed at the Wednesday staff meetings. And so Phil made his mark on Laker athletics and, and actually at a time – you know, like 96, Grand Valley was good in football. Phil saw that all the way through in football and, and, and basketball in terms of, you know, uh, he was here for the, for the first night game. He was here for the 2000 season, for the, or 2001 season, 2002 season. And he was in the front row every game, dressed up, ready to go. And, and really, we talk about this. Uh, back then, we actually had, he organized his, the, the student section and, they camped out. Remember, they camped out. <laughs> was, was that for the season opener? That was for the season yeah, opener. Season we did opener. It. Yeah, 
Yeah. We, we, we put a tent out there. Oh, yeah. Brought pizzas oh, yeah. out there. Oh, Talk yeah. about that. I mean, yeah, we just we, – we, it, was, it was a lifestyle for us that, you know, as, as Tim Suggo said, this is a sleeping giant. We started to see the improvement. And, and I, I even look back – I look back today as you gave me 20 minutes warning to come on this podcast, Jake. I appreciate That's that. That's what but, we like about you. Uh, I, you know, there was, a, there was a, a game here. We played uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think it was 2001 playoffs, and it was, it was 25 degrees, snowing, snowing. everywhere. Like 3,000 people. Like that was the intent. It's three, 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 three or four thousand people. It, and now you look at it now. I mean, we're that game happened now. It'd be you know fifteen to seventeen thousand people at that game. And so you see just the growth of attendance. But it was a big deal to us. Like I don't, I don't know how 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 that started. But to me, it was like what you do. You go to college. You just support. You support the sports that are going on. And and it's a big deal. Like and and I think I've carried it over now. Like. I still think it's a big deal here. Like it's it's not. Oh, it's just you know this is a huge deal. Like you know, and I was fortunate enough. I mean, you talk back in those days. Like how many people can say that they had they had Joan Bond as a professor, they have Brian Kelly as a professor, and Tim Sogo as a professor. Like, you got to be in a very unique category. I mean, you that, that and, Venn diagram doesn't have a lot of people in the middle of it. No, no. I mean that's 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 crazy to think of. I mean, now I put two of those out of retirement. Joan Bonds last year she taught was the year she had me in class. Uh, Tim Suggo <laughs> didn't teach a class after he had me in 2002, and Brian Kelly moved on uh, the next year to, to Central Michigan. So basically, if I show up in anybody's class right now. Uh, watch out because you won't be here probably uh, teaching the next year. So, but those, I mean, those are legends of this department that, that we still go back and say, what do we learn from those people? What, what, have, what did they do for us here at Grand Valley? And I was fortunate to have those people along with Patty Rowe. Um, I had her three or four times. Uh, she was, she was my advisor when I was a student here. So, I mean, those are four big time uh, influential people that I was fortunate to have as this university took major growth. No question. And we'll go down your coaching path a little bit because it's interesting you flip to the men's side back to the women's side I want to get into that but first so you came to Grand Valley with an intention of possibly walking onto the baseball team and as you just mentioned you love the sports because you were here but what originally attracted you to Grand Valley as a school really really it's it's funny my brother came here in 96 like I said I had never heard the place he came here in like 92 or 3 uh, my brother was the drum major of of the band from East Detroit High School and they used to have band camp here and uh so he came here he loved it he ended up coming to school here in 96 I applied to one place, Grand Valley. They had really low admission standards back then in 97, 98. They accepted me, and I didn't apply anywhere else because I'm going to Grand Valley. That's where I'm going, went with my, where my brother was going. And uh, so I came here, and that's, that's the, the reason why. And obviously it turned out to be uh, obviously the, the, the best decision that I could have made uh, for my, you know, for my undergrad and then as well as just kind of coming back here obviously it's come full circle but um those four years really kind of made me so passionate about this place uh the experiences i had and, and the, the success that teams had when i was here just it just makes it what what you root for take us through that coaching growth that you had you go from being a middle school girls coach wind up on the staff and the Western's men's team. How does that growth happen? Yeah, I, I ended up being a high school coach for three years down at Climax Scott's High School outside Kalamazoo. Uh, coach Kevin Langs hired me uh, as a 21-year-old, 20, just graduated from college, and uh, they needed a varsity coach. The varsity coach there was retiring, and I, and I got the job, and I had that for three years. Um, I was teaching there then as well, and uh, I, I read the news that Jason Larson had uh, resigned um, and was taking, uh, he was, the, he was the director of ops at Western Michigan on the men's side. And he ca- I kept in contact with him from our days here at Grand Valley. And he took a job at Jimmy Boylan staff out in Utah. So from my classroom, this is a great, you know, great supervising job as a teacher. I, I called Lars and I said, where are you at? I'm driving to Utah. I say, hey, congratulations, man. Who, who's taking over for you? He goes, I don't know. Do you want it? 
Yeah. <laughs> so um, interviewed at uh, – I ended up running to Coach Hawk, the men's coach at Qdoba. He just got back from a trip to Vegas. He knew me from working camps, and I said, I, I'd, be, I'd love to talk to you about this job. Went in there, interviewed the next day. He called me at 11, 10 p.m. He said, you want the job? I said, well, I'd like to talk to my wife. You know, I'm going to be taking a pay cut from teaching and coaching two or three sports at Climax Scott's to take a – it was an $8,000 a year grad assistant job. And he goes, well, I have to know by midnight – I'm calling number two at that point. So it was either wake my wife up out of a dead sleep and discuss the uh, you know forty thousand dollar pay cut, or just take the job on the spot and figure it out in the morning. So um, I told her the next morning over coffee that uh, I'm no longer working as a teacher here in about a month. So I took the job on the spot basically for Coach Hawk uh, on the men's side. Did it for a year. Um, it was a very interesting year. Uh, it was it was great. I love working for Hawk. Uh, I know you got a couple of stories you can tell us. On. Nah, oh man. Um, you know Hawk was was great. You know here's a guy he he, uh, he had some health issues and so did that year I had to drive him everywhere uh, for for my eight nine months on staff. I had to pick him up every morning and take him home and uh, take him recruiting. And uh, the stories, no, I can't tell the Coach Hawk stories <laughs> on the podcast. But uh, you know you learned a lot just about how to deal with people and and how how important it is to, to really invest in your players from Hawk. You know, he was a, his players loved him. You know, his players loved him. I, and that year I had a chance to coach, you know, help coach David Cool from, from South Christian, who was Mr. Basketball and uh, Joe Wrights, who ended up going on to play for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, ended up being a, a left tackle for Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Um, after playing basketball for four years at Western Michigan, ends up being, you know, with the Ravens and then goes on to play for the Colts. And uh, actually Joe spoke with our team the other day on a Zoom, uh, you know, just, called in and, and talked to our team and, and still keep in contact with those guys. Um, had a great time for a year. Uh, and now the, the head coach now at Western, Clayton Bates, was kind of my first guy who showed me uh, how you can survive in this business being a dad and a husband. And, and so Coach Bates and I still keep in contact. He's got two girls. Now they're in high school. My gosh, it's crazy. But uh, to watch him be successful as a coach and still raise daughters as he has two daughters and I have three uh, still thankful for that year on that staff uh, was offered a head job at a d3 school on the women's side turned it down and then uh, Western hired a new women's coach and I happened to be working in the office one night and she was in there and uh, she asked me a question we got to talking she found out I used to coach women's basketball and said would you want to do it again and I said yeah I would um, she offered me a um, took her to we went out to dinner that night and she offered me a job and Hawk said I didn't agree with you not taking that head job. He goes, this one, if you don't take this one, I'm firing you because you're an idiot. And so uh, I took it, and I moved across <laughs> the hall, basically. Uh, I, went from, I went from a GA to an assistant coach there and uh, spent four years coaching uh, there. And then um, uh, head coach was let go at Western. Uh, on, and so I was kind of looking for a job. And I always kept in contact with, with, with Tim Selgo throughout all those things. Obviously, I'm not – that's a smart move to, to keep in contact with him. Uh, and I would still come up for games and be around as much as I could and still follow it. I, mean, I remember 06, I was in Vicksburg, Michigan, my buddy's house, watching the Women's Mass Championship when Zick hit the shot. I, I, I know where I was. You know, you kind of still remember those things uh, based on where, where you were. Um, and so I had a chance to come back up here uh, and, and for three years work for Janelle. And then uh, obviously she resigned, moved on, and uh, I don't – I don't hide it. I wanted the job, and now so thankful that uh, Tim Suggle was extremely wise in who he picked to be the head coach here. And uh, obviously, was I mad for a little bit? But now looking back five years later, um, it's the greatest thing to happen that I have a chance now to work for Coach Mike and 
you know, we, we kid about it. I'm 9-1 against, against Coach Mike head-to-head. I, I've beat him out on nine recruits. The only thing I couldn't beat him out on was, uh, was the head job. But, uh, um, it, and again, it, it was, it's by far the best decision, and I know why, why Tim made that, that choice now. Yeah, it's so funny to hear, whether it's Victoria Headmark or Corinne Hinska or whoever talk about how they were down to Davenport with Coach Williams or coming to Grand Valley, and they wound up coming to Grand Valley, and Coach Williams winds up coaching them yeah. anyway, at least for a year or two. But I, I do want to go a little deeper into the relationship between you and Coach Williams because it's a great relationship. It's grown a lot, as you mentioned, over the last few years. Talk a little bit about that dynamic and kind of how it's morphed into what it is today where there's really good yin and yang between you two. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to work out. You know, you hear you hear rumors about him, and I knew Coach Mike, um, one of the high school coach. I'd come here for camp, and, and he recruited a couple of my uh, – one of my players when I was – you know, looked at her at least when I was a high school coach. Um, you hear the stories about him, how how intense he is, and 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 just his his passion to win. And kind of some people are scared of it. And yet, as we sat there for four hours around the lake the night he got the job and talked about how things could work, realized that a lot of his strengths uh, are are my weaknesses, and a lot of my strengths are, are his weaknesses. And so, uh, you know, with, with with Coach Mike, you have a guy who doesn't have an ego to say he has to micromanage everything you do. Uh, he lets you do your job. He lets you he lets you grow in those areas. And so. And he lets you be. He's not a guy who says you have to be here from this to this. And thank goodness he lets me go on vacation, which, you know, it's not I, I don't know if this thing would work. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who just he, he makes you better because he constantly you constantly have to make sure you're on point with what you're doing, because his, his dedication to winning um, is so strong that you want to make sure you ha- you do things right. And he, and he makes you feel appreciated that when you do things correctly, um, you know, it's it's. You, man, okay, I've made him happy. You know, I go back to our, our first year together, and he, you know, let me run the offense, and after timeouts, I'm, I'm the one in charge of what we're doing offensively, and all year long, that's how it goes, and we get down to the tournament, and, um, you know, we're playing we're playing Lewis in a tie ball game with 11 seconds to go, and I handed him the board, and, you know, he looks at me and is like, what? And I said, I, I, it's, we, we got we to, he goes, yeah, do it, and, and you get it right, because we're not beating this team in overtime. You know, and thankfully, Jay Lang's hit the hit the pull up going to her left. But that's who he is. Like he, he makes you feel confident. At the same time, you're you're a little little nervous, you know, because you probably aren't winning that game in overtime. You know, but he gives you that. And then after the game, it's he, he's not scared to give credit where where he feels it's due. And so you, it's just a, it's a great relationship. I, I, nobody's lasted five years, five and a half years as an assistant for him. Um, the longest tenured assistant he's ever had as a head coach. So. How often do you remind him of that? Almost every single day, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we've, we've become good friends, you know, and we laugh a lot. I, I don't know how many people can make him laugh um, like I do at times, but uh, we have a lot of fun. But we're both I think it's because we're both so committed to this place and, and want to see this this program continue to win. One thing that's lost in, in, in today's game and you, and you and Coach Williams talk about this a lot is development. And that's one thing that Grand Valley has been has based their success on is the development of, of players. Talk about that philosophy that you and coach Williams have well we, we want to find kids that want to be here and sometimes the kids that want to be here might not be the most talented kids but they, they want to be here so you can do a lot with those type of kids but you know I think we're, we're selling these kids short if we bring them here and just give them 85 plays and, and this is what we're going to do and here's a scout report and go do it uh, we want kids to leave here as better players and better people and so through development I think what we do is we we might break it down differently than a lot of other universities do it but we, we put a lot of ownership on the kids too and and it's we can give them all the ideas in the world, but if they don't consistently do it, they're not going to get better. And what we've seen here is when you find kids who want to be at a place, who are bought into the process of 
of, of, of getting better and bought into the philosophy of the program, they can get better. And so these kids, you know, it's, it's on their own in the summertime where these kids are made. But I think our practices are geared to say we're not going to lose sight of player development. We're not going to lose sight of, of getting you better. Uh, and I think through that, that pushing of, okay, you've reached a certain level, now we're just going to raise it again on you, it, it makes them better people. It makes them tougher. It makes them uh, battle through adversity and be resilient in how they do things. And those things relate directly to what they do now whatever jobs they might have, uh, whether they're playing overseas still or they're living in Chicago and, and, they're, and they're trying to make it in, in corporate America, those, still, those traits are still coming through. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been crazy to watch some of these players. You, you think you have a gauge on what they're going to be, and then all of a sudden they just surpass that. Um, but we have players who want that bar to be raised, and so it's kind of easy to coach them. But you guys think out of the box a lot of times too, though. I mean, playing two-on-two, three-on-three, there's not a lot of five-on-five that you guys no. do together, you guys really think out of the box and do different things. Yeah, uh, there's a guy, Brett Ledbetter. Uh, he's, a, he, he's an author, and, and a, he studies the game of basketball, and he wrote a book called What Drives Winning. In there he talks about 5% uh, – in, in an NBA game, the point guard has their ball in their hands 5% of the game only. 5% of the game. So if you think about playing 5-on-5 five five pickup, chances are you're going to have the ball in your hands for 2% of the game. Well, if you play for 40 minutes, that means you had, what, seven to ten decisions that you were able to make with a ball in your hand. So we, we just feel you play two on two, three on three. Yeah, spacing isn't, isn't, the, isn't the best compared to five on five because you have more people out there. But I think we, our philosophy of two on two and three on three is that you've got to have the ball in your hands to become a better scorer. Um, you know, and, yeah, coach thinks outside the box. Yeah, halftime. I'll tell you what, right now I love having these masks at practice because it hides my smiles and my laughter at his drills because, um, you know, uh, Janae Laporte, who, who graduated last year, her she would get me in trouble almost every single day because he would start talking about some drill and you know, and he does. He thinks outside the box, and and it forces me at times to say, you know, what do you think about this kind of drill? How do you think about this scoring here? Oh yeah, yeah that, that's yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's real good, you know. And uh, you know, you, you just, and it keeps the kids on their toes, and it keeps them laughing a little bit too, which is which is a good thing. I don't think any class can exemplify the growth that you guys have done more than the class that just graduated last year. I mean, they go from, as sophomores, I think Matty Daly played nine minutes as a freshman, and they grow into basically an entire starting five of seniors that are all-conference cal- all caliber players. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about that class. I know they were really special to you mm-hmm. and to Coach Williams, and just kind of what that class meant. And obviously, their career got cut short in a very unfortunate way with COVID canceling right as we got down to Missouri. But nonetheless, an outstanding class and really well-deserved growth for them into their final senior year. Yeah, they, they had a great – you know, their freshman year was, I think, really good for them too with who they had to look up to. I mean, you guys look up to kids like Tay Lutz and Piper Tucker, you know, who were just unbelievable leaders, and, and, and Bailey Karendorf was around. And, you know, we, we just had kids who just were bought into the process at that point. But, um, you know, that group, um, number one, I give them credit because they stayed the course when they didn't have to. You know, coaching change took place, and again, I go back to Tim Suggles' leadership. He, those, those kids were all here for for uh, an elite camp, and and Tim sat them down and said, "Here's the here's what's going to happen. Here's the process. Um, you know, you guys are committed to Grand Valley. Trust me in who I'm hiring. Trust me in this process." Um, and I thought that was those parents still talk about that, how big that was in their decision to keep their kids here. Um, you know, and, and so. They, they knew what they were walking into, and then obviously to, to go to the Final Four, Coach Mike's first year, those kids come in here now with that group who had Final Four experience as seniors. 
what unbelievable group to learn from uh, about what it means to practice hard, what it means to, to player development on your own, um, what it means to work while you wait, which is one of coaches' favorite sayings is that, you know, as a freshman, you might not play much, but are you ready to go as a sophomore? Are you ready to go uh, from your sophomore year to junior year, you know, what, or from your freshman year to your junior year? Um, though that group that has graduated, I, I can't think of a day where I walked in and said, oh, they're putting up a guard, you know, a little fence. They don't want to be coached today. And, you know, there are times you take chances. You know, I remember before we played Ashton at home uh, when they were number one in the country, I, I chewed Jen DeBoer. Like, I, I don't think I've ever chewed a point guard before. And I told Coach, I said, it's either going to backfire on us or it's going it's to work. She dropped 33 points that game, you know, and she had to tell me, Coach, I got it. You, you can stop. I got it. We're good. And I needed, I needed that spark in her, and yet those kids weren't like, you're an idiot, Coach. I'm going to walk out of practice. It was like, I got it. We're good. And – um, they had it, though they did. And, and and you talk about kids who I think they wanted to win for themselves. But honestly, you hear the cliche of, of representing your school and winning for your school. Those kids loved Grand Valley. I mean, you think about how they if they would have been allowed to do things, you know, more on the weekends of going to travel to places and do this, they would have done it. We, we just couldn't. Sometimes. We were restricted. I mean, the amount of times we watched soccer games on the bus or, or in a hotel lobby because they wanted to know what was going on in their run or in the volleyball run or or what was going on with football here. And I mean, I remember around our screen, we were playing Ohio Dominican uh, is probably 2016 or 17 and football's in the playoffs. And, you know, they want to know what's going on. Like, that's who they were. Like, they just wanted to represent Grand Valley and have Grand Valley be proud of them. I mean, like, they wanted to make administrators proud. They wanted to make students proud that they would, of what they were doing. And I think they did that both on and off the, on and off the court. And now you watch what they're doing now with their careers, and you're just like, yeah, this, this group is uh, this special. No question. And they left a great legacy for some of those upperclassmen now to follow. you got a great freshman class that has come in as well. We're not going to let you get out of here with this half-hour conversation, but at least previewing the team that we can <laughs> see in the 2021 season. Tell us a little bit about your new-look team and kind of how you guys have seen through the first couple of weeks of practice. Yeah, we're, uh, fans, if they're watching either, whether, whether it's you know streamed or in person, are going to need a uh, media guide for sure to do some faces because it is different. The radio um, broadcaster is going to need yeah, one too. So. You, know, we, uh, you know, we have two seniors. One's been around. Kiri's been around here uh, as, as a backup post player and not a I mean can't really ask for a much better uh, competition to go against than than Cassie Bench for your last two or three years so uh, she's she's ready to go in her last year of schooling has a job set up in Chicago already after this year and we brought a transfer in from Eastern Kentucky Shanquela Stanton uh, who's from uh, who's from South Carolina who saw snow for the first time this last week so uh, we're happy to have Quay around here uh, she's a she's a fun loving kid who just man she's just She's, she's funny, but she works hard, and she's, she's really fast. Uh, exciting style of, of play from our point guard. Uh, we haven't had that um, before. Our junior class is ready to go. Emily Spitzley's back from ACL. Uh, recovery looking really good, really strong. We know Brooke can shoot it across half court. Um, and that's, that's what she does. And Sammy Garrow is the kid who just made herself into a scorer and, and really kind of said, I'm going to dedicate myself to becoming a scorer. And, and she's been doing that here uh, in the offseason. Um, you know, we're, we're our sophomore class, uh, you know, we, we got some good pieces of kids who played last year. Unfortunately, we've lost one of them to an injury here for the year. But we know she'll bounce back. We're ready to go here next year. And then our freshmen are, are talented. I mean, we're, we're long, we're fast, we're athletic. Um, you know, we can go, you know, from 5'10 guards to, to 6'5", 6'6", post players is pretty special. Um, these freshmen are, are learning that making mistakes right now is okay because through those mistakes you're becoming better, a better player. And um, they're, they're embracing that idea of, of, of becoming better every single day, and we've seen it. And, and they're, they're electric. And what I think I've been most impressed with this freshman class, if you want to compare them to, say, the group we just graduated, is the confidence level of these kids. When you ask them, are you good? Well, 
yeah, I'm one of the best. And you're thinking, well, is it arrogant? Uh, no, it's kind of just this air of co- – we want that confidence to say, I can make plays, I can do things. And so if that continues to grow, um, I think we have a, a chance to be, to be, to be, to be fun to watch. Um, yeah, we're going to have our growing, our growing pains. We're going to, you know, uh, oh, we might turn the ball over a little bit. We might lose some shooters at times and, and do some things we aren't accustomed to doing. But I think building on this with what's coming in here, uh, what's signing here next week uh, is really exciting for what, the, for what the future here will continue to be for women's basketball. Yeah, the first thing you notice is the size Ooh, of your team now. Yeah. And then as you watch them, you realize they, these girls can really shoot too. So it could be a really fun team to watch here as these next couple of weeks get rolling. But speaking of the next couple of weeks, the final question I have for you, the Masters is coming up. Oh, yeah. Pushed all the way back from April. I know you've been jonesing for that Masters coming next week. Give us some of your thoughts on it. Maybe you have a dark horse winner. Do you yeah. have an odds-on favorite? How's Tiger going to do? What do you got for us? Well, you, you know Tiger's going to make the cut. He's going he's to be in the conversation because he just knows the course so well. I mean, he knows every angle. He knows every every green so well. And don't get me going. We don't have the time to discuss why Tiger Woods is so good at, at what he does <laughs> at, at Augusta. It is a great week. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, And, and this is going to be off earlier now. They're going to be going off front and the back which could really change things think about that they've never split tees before for the masters and uh the way the back nine starts is a lot tougher than the front nine and so if you start on a thursday in the back nine and all of a sudden you're two three or four over par in your first three holes and you get to number two, you know or number number 12 which is your third hole of the day and you gotta hit over race creek like man like you could be five over heading into, heading into 13 where you feel like you have to make it a birdie now in a tough par five. So, um, you know, that's going to be different. That little split tee thing is going to be really different. Uh, obviously, all eyes are going to be on Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and how he takes on these corners, and he's supposed to get a longer driver now and this and that, and how he's going to attack the golf course. It's going to be, you know, interesting to watch how he does that. You know, I, I just think JT is – he's playing such good golf right now. He's just he's just so solid. Um He's so competitive. I think he, he's ready to win that, to win that green jacket. Um, does it happen this year? No. Uh, I wish I could pick like a, like a Matthew Wolf or a, you know, I'm a big Max Homa guy. Um, but this is their first time at Augusta. No first-timers ever won it since the 40s when it was the first two years they hosted it. So it's not going to be one of those guys uh, at, at whatsoever. But uh, if I go into my folder here, uh, oh, yeah, there's the winner. It's Xander Shoffley. And so um, you guys can thank me later for that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's what it is. That's my prediction. Uh, and, and Bryson will be around uh, on Sunday afternoon, but uh, he'll be a little too greedy on 15. The water will call his name, and uh, he'll be done. There are some predictions there from Coach Sayers. We'll see how those pan out. If you ever want to talk basketball, you ever want to talk golf, you ever want to talk life, you know where Coach Sayers' door is. And, Coach, we appreciate you coming. I'm sure we'll talk to you at some point down the road here on the podcast. But first time having you on, really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks man. Well. Appreciate it. That interview with Associate Women's Head Basketball Coach Phil Sayers brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light is distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. Also brought to you by Uccello's, where great food and sports come together, and by DTE Energy. Know your own power. And we teased it at the top of the show, Tim, but again, what a fun conversation it was with Phil. Didn't even have to dive too deep into his actual sports because there's so much else to talk about with him you know his passion his passion for sports his passion for life his passion for Grand Valley State is evident and uh he loves all those things his family and um it's fun to talk to him fun to listen to him and fun to have those conversations you know we didn't even talk about this with him on the podcast but I don't think I've found anybody that's as passionate about their daughter's U10 soccer team than Phil well, Sayers is. We, he comes in the office and talks about games, action, you know, and we, and we chide him a little bit. You know, Phil, it's, uh, it's basically uh, 
you, you know, the yeah. rec league soccer, and he he corrects us and you know sets us straight. No, they're club, they're travel. Yeah, so yeah, but it uh, he's passionate. He he watches the game in t- intently. He is just as intense as a parent spectator as he is as a coach, if that gives you any indication into how he watches those games. But, again, big thank you to him for filling in on a pinch and jumping in, no pun intended with that filling in, by the way. Yeah. But coming in and uh, joining us on the podcast here today, it's time to get to some segments. Now, first up, we have our team of the week. It's presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. This week's team of the week is the 2019 softball team. They went 51-10 and and finished third at the College World Series after sweeping Indianapolis. Annapolis in the NCAA Super Regional. All-American Allison Lepovsky dominated in the circle, went going 33-4 with a 0.94 ERA and 362 strikeouts compared to only 53 walks. Four batters hit 340 or better in that Laker lineup, led by Nakoma Holman, who hit 383 with 12 homers and 64 RBI. Lydia Goble earned GLIAC Freshman of the Year honors with a 361 batting average along with 15 home runs and 66 RBIs. And while Allison Lepovsky did graduate after that year. A big bulk of that lineup, Tim, was back for the Lakers softball team. They were off to a really good start offensively through those first 16 games in 2020. They were 13-3 and but had won 11 straight games, basically ended their Florida trip on a really high note, ready to roll into GLIAC play, and then had their knees chopped out from under. Well, I'm looking forward to 2021 because that team's loaded. They're loaded. They're a year older. They all get another year back, and I know they're all excited about that, and uh, you know, with the pitching staff they have coming back and the offensive players they have coming back, Goble moving to shortstop um, and, and Holman. And I'll tell you what, I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do uh, in the spring of 2021. But let's talk about Lepofsky and that team. Um, Doc Woods, I remember when he saw her at Potterville during – she was playing for the Gold Rush in a, uh, an eight, like a su- summer tournament. And uh, he came around the corner was talking to uh, someone about her. And, hey, you got to go watch a, a pitcher on, on field three or whatever. And uh, he, Doc said he watched the inning and said, holy smokes, how is she not <laughs> uh, gobbled up already? She was from uh, near Mount Pleasant, and uh, they didn't have room for her, they thought. So uh, Doc was able to get her down here, and what a recruit she became. And I think a big part of that is Jen Rivera as well. Yep. Jen Maxson, who was outstanding, probably the best pitcher in GVSU history, but she took Allison Lepofsky under her wing as the assistant coach, really groomed her. And I think by all accounts, because by the time I got here, Allison was a sophomore, but by all accounts, she, that jump she made from her freshman year working with Jen to that sophomore year is what really took her from having well, all the tools to being a dominant pitcher. She, she came in, and uh, she became a pitcher here in terms of her work ethic. She worked her butt off. She got in shape, her body transformed, and she just—I mean, she wanted the ball, and she was—she had the same mindset. I was—I was obviously here when Jen Max and now Rivera was here, and Allison had the same mindset as Jen did in terms of give me the ball to score a run, and we're going to win this game. Yeah, and she was great in the postseason as well. She pitched basically every single game once the Lakers got to the postseason. But you mentioned the pitchers they do have coming back. I mean, Sammy Garrels, what a job she did. Coach Sayers talked about her as a basketball player. She's also a pitcher on the softball team. Kind of got pressed into duty last year when Hannah Biotis got hurt in that 2019 season. So she was really the number two pitcher in the circle in that year that the Lakers went to the Super or the uh, College World Series. And and that's what softball has kind of become. Softball has become staff-oriented. It didn't used to be that way. No, you'd have one or two pitchers on staff. one or two pitchers and boom. Now you have three or four pitchers, and, and, you know, you have the – 
the the closer and you have the who's going to start the game and and that's what the Lakers really have is they have a pitching staff now uh, with four quality arms and righty lefty and and you don't see that a lot. No, you don't. And Allison Lapovsky was great for that 2019 team. They're our team of the week, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And now we move along to our great moment in Laker history, presented to us by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And Tim, I turn it over to you. Well, in honor of Phil Sayers, our our great moment is going to be 1999. Uh, the first ever night game at Grand Valley State in, in football. Uh, we brought lights in, uh, and Tim Suggle talked about it on, on the podcast. He was here, Rob Odieski, the late Rod o, Rob Odieski, uh, was the marketing director at that time. And, and we, we you know, we had taken games downtown to Hausman Field. We played South Dakota State and Ashland downtown, night games, well attended. But now we were looking to turn Grand Valley State from a commuter campus into a residential campus. And they thought by moving those games to night on campus, kids would then stay here on campus because they had something to do on Saturday night. Before, there was really nothing to do. Okay, you had a football game, but it was in the afternoon. Why am I going to stick around for that? Um, and, and the Big Ten was playing primarily in the day, noon, 3.30 kickoffs. So you were, you know, why go head-to-head against Michigan and Michigan State? Because everybody in the state either has an allegiance one way or the other. Um, and then, you know, you stay away from those, and you're able to keep students here for those night games, and it, it, it just created the atmosphere. Phil was a part of that. And it was obviously the right time, too, that 99. We actually lost that game to Indianapolis 30-14, to 14, but the student attendance was great. Uh, the atmosphere was, was awesome. And uh, it was the start of the Kurt Ains, David Kirkus era. Along, I'm just going to mention those two because uh, obviously there were a lot of players. Well, if you want to name the era, I mean, you got to keep yeah, talking. I mean, for an so, hour. so you know, uh, it was they were redshirt freshmen that year, uh, and you could see the emergence that they were going to have and how talented they were. But that first night game really be, turned Grand Valley State from a commuter school into a residential uh, campus. More housing on campus uh, uh, was built from that point forward, and that's how Laker football kind of emerged. Well, not only did it give an advantage for more students and open it up for the possibility of having these great atmospheres and this great attendance, but as you were here to see that transition to now steady night games, I mean, we basically play a night game unless it's that last game of the season where the NCAA mandates you play at 1 p.m., but what did that do to set Grand Valley apart as a football school with the other school? You're recruiting against the other schools in the GLIAC. Was there any clout to being able to say you play at night when you play at home here? Well, I think there was, and what you also had, not only – did the students come out? But you could so you could be a Michigan or Michigan State fan during the day. You could watch that game at 12 or 3:30, and then you could work outside, and then you could drive to Grand Valley because you know tickets are you know 10, 12 bucks, and you could have that entertainment. So we were able to pull, in addition to students, Grand Rapids here as well. It became an option to go watch a college football game at night after watching Michigan or Michigan State during the day. And so not only did, you know did it allow for the students to get out but it allowed for Grand Rapids to kind of turn into uh, Grand Valley's team. It's a great atmosphere week in and week out when the Lakers play at night. The first one back in 1999 is our great moment in Laker history presented by the Randy Catterberg Agency. The Anchor Up podcast also brought to you in part by Mervine Beverage, reminding you to drink responsibly and by Fox Motors. The Anchor Up podcast brought to you in part 
by Fox Motors. Well, as you look at this week, the Pac-12 is back. We teased a little bit earlier, but a couple of interesting games, Oregon and Stanford playing this weekend. They're going to go right into primetime as they play tonight or this week, but Maction's back as well. Maction Everything's all good to go. Well, it went last night because this airs on Thursday, but we'll, uh, we'll, right. wish, we'll wish best of luck to Chuck Martin as he uh, gets his season going on. I know he, uh, he got busy in a hurry as you were listening to him uh, kind of go through that. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, it, it's it's fun during the week. It gives us you know s- some more sports to 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 uh, watch, but uh, it, it's fun to see. I know an- another big Pac-12 game, uh, USC Arizona State is going to be a big game, obviously. So yeah, everybody's now playing and uh, on board, working towards that uh, college football playoff. Which is big going forward, and I think there's going to be a lot of parallels between how quickly the MAC kind of had to get things going with football. They had six weeks yeah. to go from finding out they're going to play to putting it all out on the field, and that's going to be similar to the timeline as we kind of bring this all full circle to what the GLIAC is going to be looking at by the time an official start date officially comes down is probably going to be in a week or two, and that puts you just about six weeks out of January. Right. You know, and really, you know, this is when the MAC normally went to their Tuesday-Wednesday games right. anyway. Um, those games generally aren't played in front of a lot of people. No, they'd so, wait until after the World <laughs> so, Series. and then. So really it's not going to be that big of a change. They're not going to deviate that much f- from the normal max season because, uh, you know, those games aren't well attended. They're doing it for t- to get on ESPN. And uh, so now they they have their opportunity. Yeah, but so I, I mean more that, in, that in of terms of the the – structure of having okay we're going to play now we have to figure out buses we have to figure out travel oh, yeah. we have to figure yeah. out schedule we have to, like, all the things that go into putting on a season well, beyond just you know what night of the week you play right. they had to figure all that out in such an abbreviated time and that's kind of what us in administration and what every school in the GLIAC and all of cross division too is kind of staring down the barrel of when this thing finally gets rolling well you're ready for it you obviously you're ready for it in terms of you want to do that you want to you know you're excited about about getting things going you're excited about uh getting those uh, wheels in motion towards having that goal and, and, and playing. And, you know, I, I know we're tired of uh, trying to find things in the office to do. We're excited for those games to begin. We're excited to get things rolling. And uh, we've, we, we've, we've hit our limit on, on <laughs> videos and tweets and Instagram posts. And, you know, now that the election is over, we're, we're moving forward and uh, we're ready to play. Yeah, full steam ahead into basketball season. And once that gets rolling, not far behind it, the rest of the sports. We're looking forward to getting that going. We are going to keep this Anchor Up podcast going, though, even when our sports get rolling. Looking forward to keeping that. But for now, a great show again this week. Tim, as always, always, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, Jake. Great job. All right, that's our show. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. And as always, Anchor Up. Oh, oh, oh.